0: I don't know about uh, any of you, but uh, I sometimes have the habits um, of being somewhat chronically late. Does anyone else out there struggle with that same thing? Uh, it, it is something that, uh, that drives my wife uh, insane. Um, she is a, a very time-oriented person, likes to, to be places when she has agreed that she will be places, and I feel like, you know what, there's some wiggle room. Uh, 9:30 means somewhere between 9:30 930 and 9:35, 9:40 maybe. Now, one of the things that that I recognize about about being late, and I perhaps take this reality for granted, is that a lot of times when you're late somewhere, it's usually not that big of a deal, right? Uh, you know, it, it maybe is is more difficult for someone who who value being punctual. Um, who, who want to honor the time of others. Now, I, on the other hand, sometimes will have blatant disregard for the time of others. Um, but most of the time, people are pretty gracious. Right? They, they'll give you some wiggle room in terms of, of being on time versus being late. For example, our, our Sunday evening service, which is scheduled to start at 5 p.m., every single week we start at 5.05 like clockwork, right? We want to give people that five-minute window. We want to recognize that sometimes you run into unexpected challenges. And most of the time, that's how it works when it comes to being late versus on time. And most people in our lives, the people that we have relationships with, they're pretty gracious. They're willing to grant that window. But, but, there are times when being late can cause you tremendous amounts of problems. Usually when you're scheduled to fly somewhere, you may run into some delays, but oftentimes if you're late to your flight, you miss it. Right? They're not going to sit around and wait for you because you decided that 5 minutes or 10 minutes late was just fine. Right? If you're late, you miss your flight. Or or perhaps if you're you're late for a job interview, you may miss out on a tremendous opportunity because they see that lateness and and they associate it with perhaps laziness, irresponsibility, and you miss out on a great opportunity because you're late. Though oftentimes being late is, is okay, a lot of times being late means we miss out on something. Sometimes that few minutes means that it's too late for me. That the plane, has, the plane has left the terminal. The train has left the station. The ship has sailed and we simply are left to wave goodbye to an opportunity. As we read in, in Joel chapter 2, About the situation that that God's people in the southern kingdom of Judah found themselves in. They perhaps were led to believe that it was too late for them. If you read the early part of Joel, he is calling the people back in repentance because of destruction that has come. He, He envisions it like this plague of locusts that has come through and devoured the land. There is no more grain, there are no more crops, there are no more wine offerings. There is nothing, just devastation and waste throughout the the region of Judah. He looks back and and he sees nothing but destruction, like this plague of locusts. And certainly that image of of Israel's enemies coming and devouring their land like a plague of locusts, it it harkens back to the plague upon upon Israel's enemy, Egypt. And here, those who were supposed to be God's people are now being associated with God's enemies because of their sin and because of their rebellion. The locusts have come through. Their enemies, the armies, they've come through. They've devoured the land. There's nothing left. And not only that. As Joel speaks and preaches to the people of Judah, he prepares them for what else is coming. He says, Soon is coming the day of the Lord. There's destruction in your past, and there's more to come. More devastation. More judgment. More wrath being poured out upon Israel's sin and Israel's rebellion. Now, I don't know about you, but I I hear that situation, I read that situation, and I'm perhaps led to believe from time to time, then why even bother? And you have to imagine that many in Judah felt the same way. Why even bother? If things are this bad, what is the point? There's destruction in the past, Judgment in the past, and there's destruction and judgment in the future. There's more to come. What's the point? We might as well just throw our hands, give up. There's no bother in repentance. We know what's come before us. We know what's coming after us. Why bother? It's too late. We might as well just give up, lean in, wait for the inevitable to come, and maybe at least enjoy ourselves a little bit before it comes. It's too late. Why bother? But then we read something very different in chapter 2. We heard it read just just a moment ago. Joel says in chapter 2, verse 12, Yet even now, declares the Lord... Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. Who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind Him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. What does God say to the people through His prophet Joel? Yet, even now. In other words, it's not too late. There's still time. You are not too far gone. You have not gone too deeply into sin because God is still a God who is full of grace and mercy, who is abounding in steadfast love and compassion. And because of this, it is not too late. There is still time. Get rid of all these simple outward shows of repentance and be cut to the heart. Let your repentance not just be this visual for people to see, but let it be real. Let it be authentic. Come, return to the Lord. Come to Him with mourning and weeping. Rend your hearts, not merely your garments. Because it's not too late. Perhaps God will still relent. You know, that word relent there is actually a rather important one throughout the Old Testament. It's this word that that often is is used as, as a call, not to God, but a call to the people. It's the same word that's used often for repentance to change. And so here jo- Joel says, perhaps God may repent, perhaps he may change. Now I know that sounds like an odd thing to our ears. What would God have to repent of? Why would God who is perfect, whose will is immutable, why would he need to change? And what about all of those verses throughout Scripture that uses the same word and says, God does not change, He does not repent, He does not turn aside from His will. Why would Joel suggest that God would change? But do you know when it says that the Lord does not change, every single time it says that, do you know what it's talking about it is talking about His love. It is talking about His grace and His compassion. So when it comes to this love, you, yes, you are right. God does not change. He will not turn aside from His covenant and His promises that He has made. He will not turn aside from His love. He is bent on showing mercy and forgiveness. But when it comes to His judgment, you'd better believe that our God changes. Because His judgment is often overcome by His love. It is often and frequently throughout the Scriptures, it is overcome by His mercy and His pity upon His people who are shackled in the imprisonment of sin and listen to the way that it occurs here verse 18 Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people The Lord answered and send and said to his people behold I am sending to you grain wine and oil and you will be satisfied and I will no more make you a reproach to the nations For those who turn from their sin. For those who who turn away from that rebellion. For those who turn back to God in repentance who recognize the wrong that they've done, who recognize that they have invited wrath and judgment. For those, God has pity. For those, He relents. For those, He changes His mind and He does not pour out judgment, but rather He undoes the destruction in the past here. The grain and the wine and the oil that had been depleted by the hand of Israel's enemies, God restores to them. And in doing so, he says, it is not too late. There's still time. You can still turn aside. You can still turn away from your sin. You can still turn away from your rebellion and the wrongs that you have done. A future of judgment is not your inevitable end because it's not too late. It is never too late because we have a God who is full of grace and mercy. Who is full of steadfast love and compassion. Who does not turn aside from His covenant. You know, perhaps you you walk into worship tonight and, and you're feeling a bit like the people of Judah. Perhaps you walk in and and you see the way perhaps you've maybe gone down the rabbit hole of temptation. Or or maybe you've you've made choices that were sinful, that were in rebellion to God, and, and maybe they've made a mess of your life. And you feel as if you have seen the consequences of your rebellion. Maybe you, you enter in and you feel like you're too far gone. Or, or perhaps there's, there's something taking place in your life that's causing you to look back on choices you've made and, and mistakes that you've done. And you simply can't change them. And you're filled with guilt and Regrets. And as you think about those things, maybe you're led to believe like Judah might have. Maybe it's too late for me. Maybe this temptation that I'm stuck in is going to be the same temptation I'm stuck in for the rest of my life. Maybe you're thinking it's it's too late. Maybe you're led to believe that the mistakes and and the choices that you've made that you regret and are feeling guilty over is all you ever have to hope for. Or the mess that you've made and found yourself in right now is the mess that you're going to be dealing with for your entire life. Maybe you're entering into worship and you're feeling like, maybe it's too late for me. Maybe I'm too far gone. My devotions and and my spiritual life has wavered. My love for God and for my neighbor has grown cold. And I'm simply filled with with selfishness and love for myself. Maybe you're feeling that it is just too late. But you see, here is what is at the core of the message of Lent. Lent. There's no such thing as too far gone. There's no such thing as too late. There is no person who exists outside of the possibility of redemption. There's no mess that you have made of your life that our God cannot redeem. And so we gather together on Ash Wednesday and throughout the season of Lent. And the thing that we do over and over again is we reflect on our sin. We reflect on our brokenness. We mourn in anguish over the wrongs that we have done. But during this season, we also remember our rescue. And we remember that in Jesus, our God has said to us, it is not too late for you. It is not too late for you because God has not simply declared that there is judgment coming and that's all you can expect, but rather He has poured out that judgment on His Son so that you would be spared and so that you would be rescued, so that you would be redeemed out of the messes of our sin and from the hand of the enemy. And throughout this season, as we remember and we repent of our sin, we also give thanks that it is not too late. Late. And so in a moment, as you come forward and you receive ashes on your forehead. And as you hear those words of absolution pronounced to you. Let this day then be for you. Not just simply an outward sign as if you're simply rending your garments to show the world how repentant you supposedly are. But let these ashes be for you a reminder of your brokenness. And may they cut you to the heart as you remember the cost of your rescue. As you come to the Lord, rend your hearts and not merely your garments. Return to the Lord your God because He is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love for you. Return to him, because even now, because of the cross of our Savior Jesus, he has said to you, it's not too late. Amen.